Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the Red Seat Podcast. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Part of the Over the Monster Network. Swinging a high deep drive in the right field. That one stalled to the right. Hunter on the move. Racing back. It's over his head. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. Presented by SB Nation. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. Here comes a one-two pitch. And featuring Keaton DeRocher. Strikeouts in 2017 for Chris Sale. An absolute strikeout machine. 13 tonight against the Baltimore Orioles. They're all loaded. High fly ball deep into left center field. Get out Way here. back it carries. That ball is gone. The Red Sox walk it off in style. That's how it's done. The X-Man strikes. Fly ball to deep left center field. Devers has hit it out. The rookie takes Chapman the other way to tie the game. 
Welcome back to the Over the Monster podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today I'm joined by my friend, Keaton DeRocher of Over the Monster and of the Dynasty Guru to talk to you about the Red Sox baseball team. Keaton, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well. Glad you can uh, still call me a friend after our vicious back and forth on Twitter. Oh, yeah. I was know. boarding my flight on Friday. <laughs> yes, that was, uh, that was very intense. Um, but, you know, all of our baseball arguments are always in good spirits, uh, at least from my end, anyway. I can't speak for you. Maybe you were really mad at me. Yeah, no, I, my my interactions always have malicious intent, so oh, I'm, okay. I'm glad you saw through it, though. That's reasonable. <laughs> um, but before we get to uh, anything today, I want to uh, give you a rundown of what we're going to be talking about. Um, Since we were last with you, we learned that J.D. Martinez has indeed opted into this year of his contract. That doesn't mean anything for the following years, but he is going to be part of this team uh, in all likelihood in 2020, unless he gets traded, which we'll talk about that too. But we're also going to be discussing Mookie Betts, and uh, specifically the debate that Keaton was talking about was the debate over the Dan Shaughnessy article called Face It Red Sox Fans You Are Overrating Mookie Betts a Bit, which basically incensed the entire Red Sox fan base, and uh, they are all united in hate against it, even the ones that I'm 100% sure didn't read it. Um, But Keaton and I did read it, and I actually didn't disagree with the article at all. Um, and we'll talk about that as well and do some debates and then we'll talk about Mookie Betts' future because that's the hot topic. Then we'll answer some listener questions and we will get the hell out of here. So let's start with J.D. Martinez though. So J.D. Martinez decides to opt into this contract. What that does is it adds his money uh, to the payroll, $23.75 million for the 2020 season. He does have the unique ability, which is kind of making it uh, very unlikely that he's going to be traded to block three teams per year, and there's some speculation that if the Red Sox were to try to trade him to, say, the Rangers or the White Sox or the Blue Jays or some team like that that seems like a logical fit for him, um, that he would just block those three teams. So in all likelihood, J.D. Martinez is going to be part of the team in 2020, um, and it is worth noting that uh, this was this was uncovered by Chad Jennings, who had a fantastic piece on this for The Athletic, but the way that his contract is structured with all the opt-outs, um, his AAV um, to the payroll is not taken as the whole contract. It's taken year by year because of the opt-outs that are in it, so his, his money isn't 22 like we thought it was before. It's actually 23.75. Okay. Interesting. So were you surprised by the opting in? Um, yeah, kind of. I just kind of felt that he and Boris were feeling pretty confident about his ability to get something more on the market. Um, and I probably went back and forth about this 10 or 15 times over the course of the season. Initially, when I thought about him opting out, I was like, that would be insane. His market was not that good the first time. How is it going to be better when he is older and coming off a season where he dealt with on and off back issues? And I guess that's kind of what he decided is, you know, I'm getting a really good chunk of change this year. And uh, Matt Corey online, we were actually talking about this, and he pointed out, you know, it's 
probably a lot easier for him to think about opting out of a two-year deal worth a little less than $40 million than it is to opt out of a three-year deal uh, worth over $62 million. Yeah, I think really kind of as we were ramping up our discussions about this on, on the podcast as the season came to a close, I think we both had kind of made pretty strong arguments for what would make sense in terms of opting out and what would make sense for reasons of opting in. So I think, like you, I, I'd kind of gone back and forth on it quite a bit, and I wasn't really sure which way he was going. And just the the gray cloud of negativity that was kind of hovering over the team, it just kind of felt like he was going to opt out. So that's where my ultimately my last decision thought he was going to go. Uh, but he didn't, and he's here, and he's a very good player, and he's a very good hitter, so I'm glad that he's here. Yeah, me too. Um, and it definitely provides some protection as to um, how the lineup's going to look if the team does ultimately decide to move on from Mookie Betts if they don't think that he's going to be able to sign. And we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. Um, but, you know, Jay Martinez remains a completely elite hitter, even in the, the you know, 146 games that he played this year, which is more than I think a lot of people envisioned him because, you know, he did have those injury issues that we talked about. Uh, he did struggle against right-handed pitching this year, which was a little bit troublesome. But his projections for 2020, as the steamer uh, stuff has already come out, 39 home runs, 117 RBIs. 300 batting average, 141 WRC plus. He's still going to be one of the top, probably 10 or 15 hitters in all of baseball next year. Yeah, definitely should be. He good. <clears throat> he very good. Um, so, were you like me though when the news broke, Keaton? That immediately, instead of being happy that JD was here, you started thinking about Mookie Betts. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> <clears throat> that was a really crappy feeling. You know, you, you didn't even get a chance to be like, oh, yeah, this great hitter is going to be here. It's like, oh, no, what does this do to the payroll numbers? Um, and it's not great because right now, uh, JD with his 23.75 plus Mookie Betts with his 27.7 projection uh, from MLB Trade Rumors, I mean, that is. That's like $60 million, or no, not 60, $50 million um, between two players. That's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. It is and, a lot of money. And uh, the, the current projection from Red Sox, or was this Boston Red Sox payroll uh, Twitter account, which is a great spreadsheet um, if you want to check that out. Um, but their current projection for the team as it stands right now with six open roster spots is $227.23 million headed into next year, which is um, just, what is this? It's just a little less than a million bucks below the second luxury tax threshold going into next year. And it is $19 million above the first one. Hmm. Interesting. This is why I don't understand what the urgency is. Well... Well, I guess let me let me take a step back. If losing Mookie ends up being the result of having to slash payroll to get 
under all of these luxury tax thresholds. I don't understand what the urgency was to do it for this year. Because ultimately, wouldn't you want the best team that you can have out there on the field? And if you have a superstar like Mookie Betts, wouldn't you want him on your team long term and put that over one more year of whatever the luxury tax ends up being? Because I think there's, I mean, we've talked about this before. There's, it's just going to be way easier with what lies before the team and what's coming off the books uh, in a year versus now. It's just going to be so much easier to get under there. And I would rather do that next year with Mookie Betts than this year without him. Yeah, I agree. Um, Because next year you get the possibility of JD opting out, which seems more likely if he is going to exercise an opt out, it's probably going to come next year. Um, You still have the price money, but I think you'll finally have some clarity on what um, Dustin Pedroia is going to do with that final year in 2021 that he has on his his contract, whether the team decides to buy him out or whatever the retirement. I don't know what that's going to look like financially, but, you know, conceivably you could get under that. And also Jackie Bradley Jr. is going to be a free agent at that point as well. So. Um, that's that's a big one. Um, Matt Barnes is going to be a free agent, I believe. No, was it not ba- not Matt Barnes? It's going to be a workman. Workman's going to be a free agent next year. Um, so there are a fair number of kind of expensive guys who are going to be coming off the books uh, after next season. So I agree with you that it doesn't make a whole ton of sense to me to to have the urgency to trade him this year, unless you know something about him for the future but even if you do if you're trying to compete for this year you know i guess it all depends on whether your pitchers are healthy right because if your pitchers aren't healthy and you don't think you have a chance for this season and you don't think you have a chance to sign mookie in the future then you probably do trade him this offseason yeah but i guess i mean you wouldn't know that until we got into the season right because we're expecting prices uh cysts in his wrist or whatever it is to be fine uh, sale to um, something again. I, I apologize for who it is because I can't give them credit because I'm grassman to remember what it was. But it's an someone thing. someone put a, a uh, report out that <clears throat> he should be perfectly fine for a full spring training load and ready to go and healthy by the time spring training comes around. Because I know that there was some speculation as to whether or not he was going to be ready for spring training or ready for opening day. Uh, so you should be fine there. So um, depending on if the PRP actually works and holds up for a full season, and same thing with Price's wrist, um, Eduardo Rodriguez was able to get through an entire season healthy, but we all know all it takes is one step on a wet mound, and he's done for three months. So he's a fragile guy. Yeah. So, but I mean, if you end up having something similar happen to your starters that happened this year, uh, then yeah, the, the, there's no way that you can compete. But I don't think you would know that until it actually happened and they started to break down in season. Yeah, I mean, unless you're currently getting reports that tell you that things aren't looking good for the start of the season. Um, right. But we haven't heard any reports of that so far, so there's really no reason for us to think that at this point. Yep. All right, so should we get to the the main event here, the big yeah. article? Yeah. All right. 
So I think the most trolling thing about this whole article was the headline, which is very typical Shaughnessy. And there's no love lost for Dan Shaughnessy in this town. Um, And when I read this article, I was fully expecting to be hit with uh, an article that trolled me as much as the headline about Mookie Betts being overrated. Because, first of all, I don't actually think Mookie Betts is overrated. Um, But I don't actually think Dan Shaughnessy does either. Um, from this article. Um, So we'll get to that in in just a second. But we both read the article. And we we both came away with different takes from it. I thought that the the article gave a lot of points in it that basically all of I didn't disagree with. Um, You know, comparing him offensively to Fred Lynn and Nomar Garcia-Para, saying that he's not as good as Trout and Williams, saying that $300 million contracts rarely work out, or long contracts, I should say, Um, saying that they shouldn't trade away Bogarts to keep bets, all sorts of different things. Um, But you read this and had a very different reaction. So I'm curious as to what (coughs) your big problems were with this article, and why do you think this pissed off so many people? I think it pissed off so many people because they didn't read the article. <clears throat> and my takeaway from the article was I am pissed off that I had to read it <clears throat> because of your tweet and the reaction that it had. And uh, the reason why I was so annoyed was because everything that was said in it mm-hmm. didn't need to be said and it didn't match the headline at all. And that's what, that's what I was pissed off about. And it really had nothing to do with your take. It was more... You retweeted something from Shaughnessy, people got mad about it, and then I had to read it while I was boarding, and then I got pissed <laughs> off boarding a flight, and I was like, is this really happening right now? <laughs> so, like, one of, you, one of the things that you tweeted was that his takeaway was um, Mookie isn't as good as Trout, and long-term contracts rarely work out. Yeah. Is that something that really needs to be told to people? Is that something that is misunderstood? So, I don't think so. I think that those are fairly obvious statements <laughs> that can be made about uh, basically any baseball player. Uh, I don't think it's an insult to call anybody, even Mookie Betts, not as good as Trout or Williams. Um, and yeah, I think the the fact that you know anybody living up to a three hundred million dollar deal is it's probably not a good chance that that actually happens and that they deliver positive value over the course of that deal. Uh, even though well, there's a big caveat. That... Yeah, go ahead. There's a big caveat with that. And then we're seeing the tide kind of shift a little bit because of scouting and development being much better now than it was, I mean, even a decade ago. <clears throat> and certainly 15 years ago. But if we think of like the current large deals that people are like, holy shit, what a terrible deal. Like Miguel Cabrera, for his awesome and his generational as a talent he is he signed an eight-year deal when he was 33 yeah. that's never gonna happen anymore no it's a terrible deal albert Pujols signed i think it was a 10-year deal when he was 32 also a terrible deal right joey Votto signed uh, i mean it wasn't a 300 million dollar deal but it was a substantial deal uh 10 year 225 million dollar deal don't think that one was terrible 32 no, but length, I mean, again, a 10-year deal given to a 32-year-old. And yeah. then Robinson Cano, again, signed his massive deal with Seattle at 32. 
David Price signed his deal at 31. Not that the next few have been terrible, but just pointing out the age at which they were signed. Right. Scherzer obviously has lived up to his. He's 31. Granke, he signed his at 33. <clears throat> so Mookie Betts is not nearly that old yet. So, and the reason being, people are actually making their debuts in majors much sooner now because we actually understand development and scouting and can actually get these guys prepped to be a major leaguer much sooner. It's not nearly to the level of, like, the NBA, where you're a free agent three times by 30. But we started to see, I guess, the, the biggest examples of it last season with... Bryce Harper and Manny Machado both being 26 and signing 300 plus million dollar deals. So, you're right. the The track record of these massive deals is not that great, but they're also being signed by guys who, um, if they weren't otherwise making 30 million dollars a year, probably would retire halfway through them. And they're just kind of limping to the end of these deals because they're massively rich. Right. So <clears throat> there's a huge difference between Mickey signing an eight-year deal at 33 and then giving Mookie a you know eight-year deal at was he 27, 26. So if he signed it now, it would be for his age 27 season. Yeah. But presumably he's going to sign a giant deal for his age 28 season. Still pretty good. Still, in recent history, it had been a rarity to get to that point, which is yeah. Interesting to see, but so I mean that looking at the time that these other guys signed, he would be four or five years into the deal by the time these other players had signed theirs. So that I think is a major difference in the Red Sox needing or like mulling giving or anybody giving a player a massive deal. Like I wouldn't look at the production that Miggy and Pools are putting out right now and being like, do we really want to be locked into $35 million a year for this on guys that are 38 and 37 years old? Well, you wouldn't be because he'd have been a free agent long before that at that point because of how young he is now. So that's a major difference in consideration between uh, the recent track record of these deals not working out and the hesitation to give another one out to a player like Mookie. Yeah, and I don't think Shaughnessy disagrees with that because in Shaughnessy's article, he says, in my view, the best play for the Red Sox is to keep bets in 2020, try and get another great year out of him while trying to sign him, and he says that's unlikely, and hoping he will listen to reason. If he goes and you say thank you very much, you take a draft pick, you don't you take dimes on the dollar now or in the midsummer nobody's going to give you commensurate value for one season or two months of mookie bets and i wholeheartedly agree with him there that and he goes on to say bets is a fine player but he's not a big guy 5 9 180 he's not going to get any faster he's not going to get more power i mean there's there are some things there that i think he's not saying don't don't offer this guy the bryce harper deal or better he's simply saying even if you do offer him the Bryce Harper deal or better, there's a good chance he's not going to sign it with you. And if he doesn't, like, that's fine because probably probably a deal that big, he's, he's probably not going to get better than what he is over the next year, right? Like, this is probably – we're probably seeing the peak of Mookie Betts. 
as a fielder, a runner, a hitter. I mean, maybe we see a, a season or two of more power, but I don't think we're going to see better defense or better base running or whatever. That stuff's probably at its peak over the next couple of seasons, right? Yep, I would agree with that. Yeah, so I guess my my issue with this was he compares Mookie Betts to, to Fred Lynn and Nomar. Uh, and I think a lot of people were kind of pissed off about that for whatever reason. And he goes on to make this chart that through their first 794 games, um, and he compares them all as players. And Nomar and Fred Lynn both had higher OPSs than uh, Mookie Betts. And, you know, those are great players, too. And I just don't think that, like, simply because War says that Mookie Betts through age 26 is the second most valuable player in the history of the Red Sox, they actually have, here's the chart. Uh, according to Fangraph's War, Trish Speaker is the most valuable player through age 26, followed by Mookie Betts, um, followed by Ted Williams, who played in almost 200 less games. Uh, than Mookie Betts through that point in his career. So Ted Williams definitely would have been ahead of him. Um, but the next player on that list is Nomar Garcia-Para, who also played in about 200 fewer games. And if you even that out a little bit, um, Nomar would have be at 32.7 more versus 37.7 more for, for Mookie Betts through a comparable number of baseball games played. Um, I just don't think that that's really a, a bad thing to say, to compare him to those guys. And I'm not sure that he is head, head and shoulders better than Fred Lynn or Nomar Garcia-Para in any meaningful way. I think that he is. But why? <clears throat> so I think, he, so let me preface this. I do think he's better than those two, but not in a substantial way. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I think it's enough for me to tweet at you that they are. <laughs> so, <laughs> however substantially that makes it, then <laughs> there you go. But so... I was kind of looking at it the <clears throat> in their tenure with the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. So I um, wasn't really looking at um, at what age it was, but just looking at... Because basically they 
played through their team control slash arbitration, whatever, and then were gone. So it was like six or seven years for all of them. Yeah, so it was age 23 through 28 for Lynn, and for Nomar it was age essentially 23 through 29, or 30 if you want to count the half season. And so presumably with another season left to get to that same point of tenure with the Red Sox, Mookie Betts already has more war than them and can rack up like another seven to eight war season and really separate himself even further from the two. And that would put him like, if he has a seven war season, that would put him 14 ahead of uh, Predlin and 10 or 11 ahead of Garcia Parra, all while while being younger at that point in their career because he came up sooner. So it just has more value. He's just a more valuable player. Yeah, I guess I have an issue with making the argument just based on war, and this is something that I'll be arguing till the cows come home probably, but I think it's much safer to look at these players from their offensive output, and if you do that, Mookie Betts is at a 135 WRC plus through a comparable number of seasons and games. Nomar's at 136, and Fred Lynn's at 142. So they're basically all within a few points of each other in terms of offensive players. But I think that the defensive statistics these days really, really drastically overrate um, Mookie Betts in terms of. Oh, so you do think he's overrated? Yeah, I think sure. I think the defense is overrated. I think that right fielders at Fenway definitely get the nod. I think if you're if you're watching a baseball game, Mookie Betts is obviously obviously he's made amazing plays. He's a great defender, but Jackie Bradley Jr. is also an amazing defender, and we see him do amazing things. But center fielders at Fenway. They're not grayed out in terms of defensive statistics nearly as favorable as right fielders do at Fenway. And in in particular, um, the gap between JBJ and Mookie Betts in terms of their defensive value has been much more substantial than I think the eye test tells me it should be. So he should be knocked for playing the hardest right field in baseball? He should not, but I do think that center field is underrated at Fenway. Maybe it is. But and, he does play know, a whole bunch of games not at Fenway. I mean, do you think, let me good. just ask you, who, who's a better defender? Do you think that Mookie Betts or Jackie Bradley Jr. is a, is a more superlative defender? JBJ. I would agree. But defensive metrics will tell you that JBJ is a far worse defensive player over the last four years than Mookie Betts is. That's and just how good Betts is. He's so good at right field. Tricks the metrics into thinking he's a center fielder. <laughs> All right. This uh, this argument is clearly not uh, being taken any with any seriousness by you. It is um, not, no. Yeah, so I will, <laughs> I will move on from this. But, you know, Nomar, through a similar amount of games, had basically the same defensive value as Mookie Betts as well. And one of the things that you mentioned online, which was inaccurate, my friend, was that he said that Mookie was a better defensive player 
or Nomar was a better defensive player than Mookie, and he did not say that in his article. That's what happens when I'm just trying to remember it while I'm boarding. Yeah, well, you know what? He didn't say it. He didn't. Apologies to Dan Shaughnessy. <laughs> now I think I need to go throw up. <laughs> um, but basically, I mean, when we're, when we're talking about the team trying to sign this guy, <clears throat> we agree that they should try and sign him, correct? We both agree with that. Yep. And we both agree they should offer him more money than Bryce Harper got. Yep. So if the Sox offer Mookie Betts a $360 million contract to play here for the next 10 years or whatever, um, and they say, listen, you're the best right fielder in the history of the Red Sox. We want you to stay here. You're a big part of our plans. And Mookie says, no, I'm not interested. What do you do? Say that again? I missed the question. I was reading a line in the article. <laughs> so if, if if they offer him 10 and 360 or whatever, just some massive offer, bigger than the Harper offer, and Mookie passes, he says, no, nope, I'm going to go to free agency. I don't want to negotiate. You know, that the Red Sox basically give him this amazing offer that's definitely market value. I mean, I think three, 360 is a huge offer. If he says yeah. no to a deal like that, and you don't feel like you can keep the player, and you don't feel like the player wants to be here long term, what do you do with him? Do you let him play out this year, still under contract, and see what you got, and let him walk and get a draft pick, or do you try and shop him now, while his value is presumably higher, and try and get some assets for him, and maybe shed one of these big contracts that you have on the books? I think it depends on uh, if the front office has been blowing smoke up our asses or if they actually mean that they want to try and get under the luxury tax and have the most competitive team that they can out on the field because the most competitive team that they can would include Mookie Betts. So if that's the case, I would take him at his arbitration value and put him out there on the field every day and let him walk and take the pick at the end of the year. Uh, if they don't really care about being competitive this year and they just want to get under the luxury tax, then I would trade them. And I think the answer to what actually happens will kind of tell us if they've been serious or not. All right. I kind of agree with you <clears throat> on all those things, which is not surprising because when we look at the same set of facts, we usually do agree. Um, but anyhow, let's close the book on this article. Any last... Uh, issues or gripes with this article because I think my issue overall and why I get fired up at people online is because I don't think you can point to anything in this article that Shaughnessy said that wasn't actually true yeah I would love it if uh, I mean I get that through the latter part of his tenure here now we've had a pretty good life so it's been hard to be critical of a whole lot so you just you throw shit like Buki's overrated on a headline and get people riled up <laughs> and then write an article about how he's properly valued. <laughs> so yeah. I would love it if he would just go shove a stick up his butt and go away. Yeah, so you're kind of with me there. The biggest problem with this article was the headline. Yeah, and who wrote it in yeah. general. 
Um, one of the things that this article does bring up, though, just to kind of close the book on it, that I think we both thought was the dumbest thing ever and has been floated by a couple people now. But this idea that somehow you should attach Bogarts to some package of players to clear yeah. money for Hold on. bets. Can, can you clarify that for me? Because I haven't heard that at all. Maybe that's the this is the disconnect of being in Chicago. Yeah, but so what the hell is that? Yeah, he's he's not the first to mention it. So he didn't actually create this, but I think it was Passan who was the first to suggest that if really? the Red Sox are clear or are um serious about clearing some money that they should float Bogarts who's coming off an amazing season to you know another team to to shed whatever, you know, his 20 million or whatever money that that's is. That's a very bad idea. It's a horrible idea. Um, considering the, yeah, it's $20 million. It's $20 million <clears> for, for every season. That is an incredibly team-friendly deal that would not make any sense at all. If you really want to shed salary, you basically just give David Price away for, like, somebody else's whatever prospects and possibly even eat, like, 10 to 15 mil. That's how you would do it. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I personally, and I know this is a very unpopular opinion, but I feel like Xander Bogarts is actually more valuable to the Red Sox than Mookie Betts is anyway. So I would definitely not do that. And the argument is that I think he's close enough as a baseball player, and I think what he adds as a leader um, and playing a premium position kind of put him over in my in my eyes, especially now that he's signed to that team-friendly deal. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to fight you too hard on that. Mm-hmm. All right. Or at all, because I'm not saying anything after that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, so now that we're not fighting anymore, Keaton, uh, <laughs> let's um, let's – Let's move on to some speculation. So, um, because I am not a real journalist, um, <laughs> yeah, let me just discredit myself here. Um, I don't do this for a living, okay? I get paid by SB Nation to do a podcast, um, which is great, but also it doesn't put food on my table. Um, so, I'm going to just throw out some things that I've heard from some sources, and I won't name my sources, but... They are fairly, seem to be fairly reliable sources, but sources say that Mookie Betts does not indeed want to be here uh, long term, okay? And what that means for the Red Sox is that Mookie Betts has apparently presented the Red Sox with some teams um, that he is interested in signing an extension with, uh, in playing long term, um, and the Red Sox are not on that list. So if we are to believe these rumors that have been floating out there, or rumors or sources or whatever you want to call them, this makes the decision for the Red Sox a lot more simple in my opinion. If if he doesn't want to be here and you have approached him about that, and he's been forthright with you, you got to go get some stuff from Mookie Betts. And I don't feel confident enough I'm going to tell you right off the bat. I don't think they're going to add a ton, especially in the financial position that they're in right now. I don't think they can add enough in the current financial position that they're in 
to be better than the Yankees as currently constituted. I'm not even sure they'll be better than the Rays as currently constituted. So I think that the move here now is to trade Mookie Betts. Boy. So this falls back into what I had just said. And I think that <clears throat> if they are trying to be competitive this year, then I think you just roll with whatever the ARB number is. Uh, and if you fall apart at the deadline, move at the deadline. Or if you're, you know, obviously in a position to win it, then obviously go after it. But that is a bummer because I, I think um, it's kind of, I mean, it feels like since we started doing this, whatever, like March, that we've been kind of on a slow walk towards this inevitability of him being traded this offseason anyway. As much as we tried to avoid talking about it and got annoyed when we were talking about it, I think you and I both kind of felt like the reason we were avoiding it was because it was probably going to happen. <laughs> yeah, it definitely felt that way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just kind of now that the offseason's here and stuff is starting to leak out, it's like, oh man, it really is going to happen. That's frustrating. But I guess, I, I mean, I get it. If if he's not going to be here long term, then I get it. I understand it. That's obviously the move to make. But I'll probably be annoyed about it until I hear what's coming back. And then hopefully be less annoyed. Yeah. I mean, and this, is, this is no sure thing. And we can't verify whether or not this is 100% true. But, you know, if, if the rumor is true that he does not actually want to be here... Um, it certainly complicates things because no matter what the Red Sox do, I mean, they can offer them the money, but there's going to be plenty of other teams willing to offer them that money too. And plenty of other teams that are not located in Boston, plenty of other teams that have more financial flexibility. Um, so there's a lot of things going for them. And I think that if they do end up ultimately, you know, exploring trade packages for Mookie, that Bloom has to look at this as an opportunity to also get rid of one of those colossal pitching contracts uh, that are on the books. And one of the guys that we talked about before we logged on here when we were kind of chit-chatting about this was, you know, the possibility of packaging Mookie Betts with a David Price to whatever location uh, Mookie Betts gets sent to. Um, and, you know, maybe you're not getting that rich prospect package back for Mookie Betts. And we talked about how that was going to be sort of difficult to do anyhow because of his huge ARB number that he's going to carry. I mean, $27 million is a lot for any team to eat. Um, so if you can't get that, like you're trading to him to presumably a team that is trying to compete next year, you know, attach David Price. He's still a pretty damn good pitcher um, to, to that and clear out some room so you can actually do some stuff because having $80 million tied up into three pitchers is stupid. Unless they're really good pitchers. Yes, and I don't think Nady Evaldi is a really good pitcher. Neither do I. And I think David Price used to be a really good pitcher, and I think he's a slightly better than... I'll, I'll say he's he's 10% better than average going forward is how I'd project him. 
I think I'd give him a little bit more than that, but yeah, it's a, he's not he's not really good anymore. Tough to stay committed to that. I think the only guy the I'm not really trading uh, from that trio is Sale because I don't want to sell low on Sale. I'd be fine if somebody wants to, you know, take a chance on Evaldi, but I think that one's impossible to move right now. I think the one you get the best chance to move is is David Price, who pitched well, and you know, despite the minor surgery that he's going under, I think David Price <coughs> can be effective, especially if he moves to a National League team. I think he'll be really effective for a National League team next year. Yeah, I agree with that. And you don't want to sell low on sale, right? I mean, that's I don't this really is not want to sell at all sale. on sale. Right. I I see, I see sale plus Devers and Bogarts as being that core going forward. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a great year for Sale. Obviously, he had his issues with dingers and a lack of movement on his slider, and even with that, he had the second highest K per nine in the majors behind Garrett Cole. And that Gary Cole guy is pretty good. <laughs> yeah. And he, he did that with a bum elbow, <laughs> which is pretty wild. I mean, a healthy sale is like a top three pitcher in the league. So I, I'd i rather take my chances with that, given that this is really like the first significant injury that he's had. He's had his dings. Not saying it's the first time he's ever been hurt, but uh, I feel much better sticking with him than I would about sticking with any of the other pitchers. Yes, I agree. And especially when you have Bloom, who is so adept at finding starting pitching, um, and he proved that time and time and time again in Tampa Bay, I am so much more fine with moving on from some of these high-priced guys and seeing what Bloom can actually do to rework this staff kind of on the fly and on the cheap. And... um, That'll allow you some additional flexibility to kind of lock up the guys you want to lock up long term while, you know, not tying yourself into a situation like Dombrowski got the Red Sox into. Yeah. There's a lot of work to do. (laughs) A lot of work to do. My God. So definitely a weird podcast for us, but um Yeah. When is uh when's the winter meetings? That's going to be coming up in a month. Well, GM meetings are coming up, I think, next week. Let's see. GM meetings 2019. These are two through. Here we go. Um, GM meetings. Yes, this is very exciting for everybody. November 14th. uh, November 11th to the 14th. That is tomorrow. And, yeah. Yeah, that is tomorrow. Wow. Um, owners meetings November 19th to 21st non-tender deadline December 2nd and then winter meetings December 9th through the 12th in San Diego so things are gonna get busy yeah I think Hopefully. Mr. Bloom's gonna be very popular at these meetings good he should be yes um alright so Shall we move on to some listener questions? Sure. Okay. Zach has a question for us. He says, any guess on a timeline for when we would should know who's on our team for 2020? Well, I want to say sooner rather than later, but given the market and 
what teams are doing with free agency? We might not know until February. Well, yeah, right? Because the, the only real question marks, I would say, are in the outfield, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. maybe first or second base if they decide to not go. I think they're going to go internal for one of those and probably external for the other. Um, I think that one might get done sooner rather than <laughs> later because I don't think that's going to be a big money person or transaction. Um, but whether or not they decide to trade Mookie and or trade Jackie Bradley Jr., I think that could take a little bit of time. But I do think that something happens at the winter meetings. I have a, I just have a gut feeling that if Mookie gets traded, it's going to happen then. Um, and if Mookie gets traded, I still don't think that doesn't mean they trade Jackie Bradley uh, in his $11 million because I'm not sure he's worth $11 million to a team that might be taking a step back. And we all know how great the defense is, but it's inconsistent offensively. And I think he's more valuable to a team that has a bigger center field to patrol than the Red Sox do. Yeah, I would agree with all that stuff too. Um, so, I mean, you're thinking this is going to come down to like the end of February before we really know who's on the team. I think so, yeah. I'm going to say we have a pretty damn good picture of who's on the team by the new year. I think it's going to happen a little That's sooner. That's aggressive. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that these winter meetings are going to be very busy. Probably just wishful thinking from me. All right, moving on to our next question. We have one from our friend Shelly Verstraight. She says, small sample size alert. Which Red Sox prospects in the Premier 12 tournament has turned your head more? Noah Song, Tanner Hoke, or Bobby Dahlbeck, who they've been spelling Robert Dahlbeck, and also <laughs> uh, they've been calling, what's his name? Um, uh... uh CJ Chatham, Connor Chatham, which is apparently his real name. Um, so they've been doing a couple weird things, but but for me, this one's 100%. Mr. Dahlbeck, have you seen his numbers? I have Holy seen his numbers. Crap. Um, and he hit so, a big old grand slam. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, he's just crushing it. He's got a 1371 OPS. Um, he's got, what is this? Just 11 ABs, but he's batting 364. Uh, 462 909. 909 slugging. That's pretty good. Yeah. Three two strikeouts, two walks. It's getting on base and knocking them in. To me, it's song, though. Um, <clears throat> and maybe it's because I, I don't know, maybe I underestimated the, uh, the actual talent there, even through everything that was actually written about how good he was but he fell because of the navy stuff uh his stuff is filthy like really really good <laughs> and i would uh i would love to see that stuff playing soon in boston but uh who knows we yeah. we will not probably know anytime soon which is kind of a bummer but actually seeing him play out on a field actually like getting to view his stuff he's filthy he's much better than i thought he was yeah he's really good yep yeah. i like him too uh i'm so thrown off as to where to rank song personally um 
and I think in terms of talent, he's up there, probably in the top five pitching prospects uh, for the Red Sox. Um, I'm not sure I'm willing to put him one, like Baseball Prospectus just did amongst pitchers, um, but I do think that he's really good. I'm just two years is a lot of development time to miss for anybody. It is. If, if he does miss that. Um, ben Jacobson has our last question of the day, and he says, who do you think the Sox are going to get rid of in order to get under 208? Are we just going to be bad this year, shedding all this payroll? I think it all comes down to the pitching. <clears throat> if the pitching is healthy, then the lineup, even without Mookie, is very strong and good enough to be one of the top three teams in the American League. If the injury uh, pitching is spotty and has a bunch of injuries again then they're going to suck and without Mookie they're going to suck even more so there's a chance they could be like an 83 to 85 win team maybe probably even less probably like 80 to 83 if the, the pitching is a disaster so I think whether or not they're good is really going to just depend on the health of the pitching again yeah I agree um it's kind of boring to agree, but that's what I do. I agree with you because you're right. It is all going to come down to the pitching. Because that lineup's going to be filthy yep. no matter what. And there are some underrated outfield options that the Red Sox could sign on the cheap that could still provide some you know, value offensively if the Red Sox do end up trading bets. And, uh, I just don't think it's going to come down to lack of offensive production. It's, it's, going, to be, it's going to be all about those arms and whether or not Chris Sale is healthy that's going to be the biggest thing to me. yeah healthy Chris Sale is a completely different team um, alright well that wraps it up any other closing thoughts before we get on the hell out of here nope alright well we appreciate you listening to the show uh, you can find us on Twitter. You can find the Over the Monster account at Over the Monster. You can find Keaton at the Spoken Keats. You can find me at, at Dev Jake. And uh, you can find Mookie Betts wherever he's going to end up. Might not be Boston. Sorry, guys. Thanks for Bad. listening. See you next time. <laughs>